Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley, a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I love talking to creative people, and this week I got to talk to two very creative people in a very wonderful place. I went to see Disaster the Musical on Broadway, and afterwards I got to sit down with my friend Jack Plotnick, a previous podcast guest, as well as Seth Rudutsky. They're old friends, they've been friends for years, and they created Disaster the Musical together. They co-wrote it, uh, Jack directs it, and Seth appears in it as the disaster expert that nobody will listen to. That tells everyone that the floating casino is on a fault line and that they're all doomed. But of course, like in all those 70s movies, nobody ever listens. So I saw the show off Broadway. It was a ton of fun. And so I was so excited to see it make the move to Broadway and see how it's different, how it's changed, what's the same. I love the songs. My favorite thing about it, though, is the sight gags. There are so many brilliant, silly sight gags that just tickle me to no end. There's one that makes me laugh every time I think about it. And so I'm so proud of them. Um, it's such a delight. It's uh, running for for at least through July, I think. Um, they talk about it on the podcast. So I hope you can get out here to see it. And uh, hopefully it'll have a nice long life um, all over the place. So uh, with, before we get to that, though, I want to give a big shout out to the folks who donate to my virtual tip jar on DennisAnyone.net. Uh, they help me pay for things like web hosting and, you know, if I go park somewhere and I have to... There's just all kinds of little expenses that come up, and it means so much to me. And these were obviously fans of Derek Hartley, uh, who uh, was one of my previous podcast guests, because he's got very loyal listeners, and he told them they might want to kick in a little to the podcast, and they did. And one guy said he's listened to the Derek interview five times, so he thought that maybe he would do a little donation. So... Um, I want to give a shout-out to these folks. Kirk Miller, Stephen Willard, Myrna Pappas, Joyce Carey, Valerie Bourgeois, Ford Miller, Troy Hebert, Julie Schnecksnader, Edward Allen, Patrick Tubbs. I know, right? I mean, come on. I, I, was, I was knocked out by it. Stephen Willard, Kim Roberts, Oscar Moltine, Peter Spilecki, Malcolm Campbell, Robert Mulder, Edward Aiken... William Moore, Stacy Power, Brian Cummins. I think some of those I may have mentioned last time, but they were all, I think, from the Derek uh, podcast era. So thank you so much. It means a lot to me. It helps me keep it going and help, helps me, you know, if it's like going somewhere that I, you know, going to Broadway and seeing a show so I could talk to people about it. It's just like stuff like that. Um, it really helps. So if you'd like to do that, you can do it at DennisAnyone.net. I'm also going to post a few of the pictures that I took backstage at Disaster um, on that site with this interview. So you can see like some of the props, and um, one of my favorite props is a slot machine, and I took a picture of it. So you can see some of that. All right, without any further ado, here are Jack Plotnick and Seth Rudutsky backstage at Disaster. Hey there, I am backstage at Disaster on Broadway in Seth Rudutsky's dressing room, and I'm talking to Jack Plotnick and Seth Rudutsky, the co-writers of Disaster the Musical, right? And yes. Jack okay, directed it. So let me stop right now. Okay. First of all, it's so boyish, uh, you have such difficulty saying Rudetsky, it's really throwing me for a loop. So let's just say Seth Smith. <laughs> Second of all, it's not Disaster the Musical. That makes my fucking hair come off. Was it Guys and Dolls? The Musical. Oklahoma? The Musical. It's called 
disaster. That's a new trend that began 10 years ago when everything went into quotes. When it's like, blah, 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 the musical. So it's just disaster exclamation point. Dennis, go. Okay, I'm sorry, because I think I hashtagged that. Or it's disaster on Broadway is the hashtag. Hashtag disaster on Broadway. And the okay. webs, the actual Twitter of a passive progressive on my part is actually disaster musical. <laughs> so I guess, actually, I'm the one that's busted in the long run. Keep okay. going. Okay. Well, Seth has another show to do later, so he's going to be in here for just a little while, and then he's going to take off. Um, my thoughts are that I had a terrific time. I saw it off-Broadway, and then I just saw it here. Um, the sight gags bring me so much joy. But as, as writers... That's my real nose. That is so rude. <laughs> <laughs> as writers, when you sit down to do a spoof of disaster movies, are you thinking, who dies? Is that something that you thought about when you were creating it? Like, because some in disaster movies, people die. Yeah. Oh, we, yeah. We knew we were like, well, we got to kill some of these people. But yeah. like, what, talk about like deciding who dies and who doesn't die. You don't have to give anything away, but how? What goes into that? Like, um, we definitely wanted someone to die at the beginning of Act Two to show that we meant business. Right. You have to. So that that was definitely our decision. And then I guess Jack, I don't know how we came up with that idea of who died at the end of Act Two, but that was definitely a conscious choice to say, this is not going to be just a comedy. Like, there's going to be real death here. And then, you know, what's interesting, I was, I'm trying to describe this when you're writing a show. To me, it's like you're standing on a ledge, there's emptiness in front of you, and you keep putting down a brick, and then you take a step forward, you put down a brick, you take a step forward. So as we were writing it, we really didn't know how it ended. We didn't know who was going to die. We really didn't. We just were writing it, and it just wound up this way. But I didn't necessarily think that... The only one I thought at the beginning, there's one very obvious person who's kind of an homage to someone from another disaster movie that kind of has to die. I'm not going to give it away, but... I think we know who he's talking But about, everyone yeah. else, I really... Uh, both of us didn't really know. I remember for a long time a certain disco diva who shared my nameless, but I thought she was going to die to redeem herself, and she didn't as we finished the show. But that's a very good question. Well, I always want to tell people there really is death. This is the real disaster movie as a musical. <laughs> I love when everyone comes... In the act two, when everyone's just disheveled and the costumes are a wreck and they are all marked up. I just think it's so fun. Is it fun... Seth, is being in the show, is it fun to go tear your clothes and do... Is there something... Or is it just another part of... You know, is it... No, it's, well, it's... I love how Broadway it is that we have an entire second set of costumes and some people like Richard York have three sets of costumes because they get worse and worse. So I think... I love that it's just so Broadway that we have this whole second set of costumes that's disheveled. And second set of wigs. And second set of wigs, yeah. I mean, Rachel York... York's wig by the end. It's so crazy. And the costume, she's barely yeah. wearing anything. Which is fantastic. But I, as an actual actor, it is annoying to yeah. come in intermission. You go, oh my God, I've got to literally take off the entire costume. Like, just, it does. You, I mean, you go, I'm on yeah. Broadway, it's cool, but you go, I cannot believe I take off my pants, my shirt. It, it does drive me crazy. <laughs> and underneath my pants, I have to wear like knee pads and calf guards to like protect my gams. So, it is frustrating. I wish I had, like, I wish I, I always want to be Lady Mary in Downton Abbey where someone is literally dressing me 100%. Crazy. No, I always want, like, you can go. But anyway, no, and I do it But myself. you'll you'll start to care about their problems and you'll start getting in their business. And, right. And they <laughs> might, they're, they're, you know, their husband may go to prison and they may get raped by one of your friends. Yeah, we don't want to. Oh, my so. God. Spoiler alert, Downton Abbey season four. <laughs> so, um, these songs are every song I grew up with. I call them Pizza Hut jukebox songs because they were all on the jukebox of my hometown Pizza Hut. Pick a song in the show and tell me a memory that you have attached to it that's separate from the show. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Wow, that's he's a silent. Um, uh, I'll two things. Uh, when will I be loved? My sister was in a band called, I think it was called Crooked Mile when, in the 70s. And I remember them rehearsing in the den and I remember her singing Linda Ronstadt's song. So I remember, When will I be loved? Um, so whenever I hear that, I think of Beth. 
And every other song? Um, well, for me, Sky High, I remember at the Ohio State Fair, I would always hang out there during the summers as a kid, and uh, they, were, they had an arcade tent, and I just lived in that, you know, trying to find a quarter and play a little pinball. Yes, that's how old I am. And I remember there was a jukebox, and, uh, and Sky High would often play on it. And that it was, was just... Oh, I just loved that song, and it really, t- it really like was a quintessential '70s song for me. And I'm the one who forced it into the show. Yeah, I what was, was the like, song that you were, where you were went to bat for the most? Went to bat for? Really That's fought w- for? Oh my god! I guess Mockingbird. I'm obsessed with the song Mockingbird. Oh, I was like, I never heard of yeah, it. That was like, weird because I'd never heard that song. I'm I'm like, like, it's it's a, no one will know it. I know. It's like it's a classic but, song. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's more like Jack had a more forced certain songs, and he forced an Iron Woman. He forced in Sky High. I was more like, it'll never work. And of course, they're classics. By the way, the other song I remember is Daybreak. I remember listening to that Barry Manilow album, Barry Manilow Live, and Daybreak was always on it. So I love that we get to sing Daybreak in our show. Yeah, I've got that, I've got that Barry Manilow album playing in my car at home as we speak. Um, talk to me about, like, the night, the opening night, and then, the, the, like, the whole Broadway thing. Because you, you do the shows, and then everyone waits for the reviews and, like, all of that stuff. And, like, is it is it everything like you would imagine that the movie show and... There was yeah. one amazing Broadway moment. Like, we did the opening night, and I really wasn't nervous at all, because, you know, the critics don't come opening night anymore. They come the nights before opening night. So all the critics are there the night before, and opening night is really almost just like a, let's have a party for the investors and really famous people. We had all these... Tina Fey came, Vanessa Williams, Rosie O'Donnell. Oh, my God, all my Matthew favorites. Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Um, oh, my God, I can't, I can't remember. Daryl Hammond. So many really cool people. So there were all these big celebrities there, and it was just really a fun party. I wasn't... Anyway, I wasn't nervous about my performance because I knew the reviewers were there, and then... um. We had that classic Broadway moment where the company manager called over me, James, and I think... No, I don't think you were there, Jack. I think it was me and James. And it was like, we just read the New York Times review, and we got a critic's pick. It's a rave! And it was like... It was very like an Ethel Merman movie from the 50s. Like, there was no business like show business. Like, crowding in one corner, and <laughs> everyone's just overjoyed. And I later found out that the party was scheduled to go till 11 if the show was a bomb, and it would go past like to 2 a.m. if it was a hit and thankfully we went to 2 a.m. So it actually cheered me up. Can you imagine if it's 11 o'clock? Bye guys! See ya! <laughs> and we're out. Uh, yeah. So it was a very it was a very exciting night. Now the show's called Disaster. It's uh, a lot of disastrous things happen. Has anything bad happened that wasn't part of the disaster? You know what I mean? What's gone wrong yes. on stage? Like oh, boy. things falling over and um, I'll just I'm gonna by the way I'm doing all the talking because I have to go home and walk my dog so I'm yeah. just hogging right now so I'll tell you just two stupid things Rachel York is supposed to say we haven't had a tremor in a while maybe nothing will happen anyway she goes we haven't had a staring at me staring at me she finally goes uh, weird thing in a while maybe nothing will happen <laughs> so throughout the show there are earthquakes tidal waves so we keep wanting when the tidal wave comes we want to go weird thing we kept wanting to substitute every single disaster for weird thing did yeah. she just forget the word? Yeah, totally. she forgot it. And I was like, do I tell her? But I saw the, I saw the, you call going to the white room. I saw her going to the white room where you don't know anything. <laughs> we had a weird thing. <laughs> we were obsessed with it. You just forget the word for tremor. And I don't know why I that was the that best happening. substitute, though. That yeah. was the only substitute. <laughs> weird thing. <laughs> we're obsessed with it. And the, only, the other thing is this one moment in the show where this big moment happens and this guy falls to his death and there's this big body falls and it like falls on the stage. I, so, my, I think it's my favorite moment in the show. I, a, I think so, it's so silly It's the last funny. minute joke that Jack and I wrote there actually we're so happy with because we were like panicked for a joke we came up I with it. I think it's so funny. So right when the body was supposed to fall we're like all looking up and like nothing fell. So we're sort of standing there, and like my big fear is like getting killed during a Broadway show because I'm always hearing hilarious stories about people breaking their femurs. Right. So I'm like, is this body gonna like fall on my head and kill somebody? So I finally just say out loud, um, should we ask him to jump again? Because I'm thinking, are they about to like literally just let it fall? And you just hear the stage manager go, 
Moe! Over the body mic. <laughs> over, like, literally like the entire theater. So, and it was just mortifying because it's one of the biggest jokes in the show. And basically, not only did it not happen, but the fourth wall was broken. And the audience like, oh, it's just a show. We don't care anymore. Curtain. Oh, <laughs> so the body didn't fall. No, it never no, fell. It didn't fall. It wasn't it happened, night. It happened a couple Actually, times. happened twice. And then Jack, Jack and I had a shit fit. And we're like, we need to have a separate plan if the body doesn't fall. Yeah, so now there's a little, a, a little lightweight dummy off stage, right, to be to thrown on if it doesn't yeah. fall. Yeah. So before you take off, Seth, uh, both of you, what, what's been the highest? point so far the moment you're like oh my god this is amazing and what's been the low point where you're like oh fuck this is never gonna well, come together or again opening night like uh, Tina Fey sat right behind me and she, I did just idolize her and getting I'm to hear a, her laughter you know that was incredible yeah, yeah. that's amazing yeah. unfortunately she was reading bossy pants at the time <laughs> not actually laughing at our show but she, she was watching cuts of Kimmy Schmidt <laughs> yeah she was like this is hilarious what was your low point Jack I don't even want to know too scary okay. I would say high point was the first day the whole cast got together and Jack and I made a speech in front of everybody oh, yeah. the set designers were there and the lighting and you know my whole dream was to do a Broadway show with a bunch of my friends and that's really what it was and it was just so thrilling to look around and just be like, oh my God, Jack and I remember when we just had a little laptop writing this and now like it's a Broadway show with all these people. So that was a really thrilling moment. And low point was probably when I had to hit the stupid high note in Sky High and my voice cracked and Roger Bart immediately broke character and just looked at me in a state of shock. It was <laughs> devastating and hilarious. But Roger Bart will always break character for comedy on stage. I mean, not that the audience will ever notice it, yeah. but we notice it. And it was just, it was devastating because I'm like literally center stage on zero as we say. And I was like, Sky High! Oh my god! It was <laughs> devastating but hilarious. Um, so yeah, it's like a complete disaster. One. Let's get uh, yeah. How long is it running for? What, what's the we're running what supposedly in this theater till July third? But the Nederlander where Rent first was, and Anna Pascal is in it, so everything new is old again. I love it. Let's get a picture of the three of us together, and then you can take off. And then, um, do you mind? Oh, my kid is here taking this picture. Oh, oh awesome! Hi, there's a friend here. Oh, Hi. We can. The podcast is very. Um, how amazing is this, by the way? Yeah. Who did that? I think you should hold it. Fan art, fan art. It's phenomenal. Photo approval? Yeah, and can you do yeah, can you do a, a yeah, horizontal one too for the podcast? This current weight. How old are you? Fifteen and a half. What? Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. Who takes a photo that way? <laughs> Is there anything you wish somebody had asked you about the show that nobody's asked you? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, um I would just say uh, I'll just say um, the one thing I'll say is about the off-Broadway just I love raging about people that about transferring from off-Broadway to Broadway if you want to just say what was the transfer or you could just say what do people think we saw at Broadway I don't know because I love just raging about that <laughs> so you could just say um, um, did, did, did people think this? did people believe this show could move from off-Broadway to Broadway yeah. So you guys moved from off Broadway to Broadway. Yep. Did people think that could happen? Or okay, this is when I want to punch somebody. The, <laughs> thing, the thing is, Jack and I. Wrote I, this, I twisted it up a little. I tried to put it in my own words. No, but you're totally right. Jack and I wrote this musical, and just because everyone said to us, "You've got to take it out of town before it comes to Broadway," we're like, "We don't want to go out of town. How can we just see if it works in front of an audience?" So my husband James said, "Just put it up at this little tiny theater called the Triad. It was a stage where I did Forever Plaid, where four people barely fit. But we, sh- <laughs> no joke, but we shoved the whole cast. Also, Forbidden Broadway was there." We shoved the show in there, and we're like, wow, it really works. We put this enormous show in this tiny theater. 
so people see that and they're like, wow, how is this little show going to be a Broadway show? And I'm like, you <laughs> idiots. Jack and I wrote a show about a floating casino discotheque. So already it's giant. <laughs> that has earthquakes. Tidal Where is the small part? Like it literally, they were acting like, wow, you wrote a show about a nun and a priest sitting in front of the rosary beads in a tiny <laughs> organ. Yeah, That's not a love show. <laughs> yeah, like love letters. I'm like, we wrote a giant show. The amazing part is we got in an off-Broadway theater. Now you're supposed to say, wow, finally you get to be in a Broadway theater. They're like, huh, I don't know how this tiny show is going to work on Broadway. Yeah. Anyway, the good news is everyone that started Broadway is like, it is a Broadway show. We're like, we know. <laughs> All right. Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. All right. Pigeons. I love your passion. Yes. Or anger, but you can call it passion. I'm calling it passion. <laughs> when he hits me, he loves me. Really? Uh, I'm abusive. Oh, All right. Bye. See you later Bye. tonight. Bye, Dennis. So great to see you. You as well. Great job. And so fun. I love, it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Wait, John okay. Hamm. What are you doing? I'll just okay. show this just to your fan. I, used to I was a super fan of John Hamm. They're, John fan, Hamm is my screensaver. I love um, that moment. God, was that satisfying. When he comes I thought up that ending was so now. good. Are you? Yeah. I love it. Okay, good. Bye. Awesome, bye. Bye, Seth. Thank you. Oh. We're still recording? Yeah, we're still recording. It's all good. It's, we're keeping. We're letting people feel like the excitement, the thrill of the... Yes. Okay. okay. Um, but don't let them know he, he made you... How just. has your and Seth's relationship evolved from this proje- project? From this project? Well, yes, actually, it's I mean, so big. It's, you know, I it's think, big time. I think the neat thing is that it's kind of like... It's sort of like a, a wonderful, beautiful evolution of our friendship in that... You know, we we started off writing and performing these little shows in the basement of these little cabaret spaces, and it really just came from uh, we were we're young and we just came from a passion to express what we thought was funny, and we always we never were writing like how do we write the next big show? We were back then we were just always writing like we want to just. Um, do what tickles us, and 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 it was just stupid sketch shows, but we loved it. And well, it was like the so Joy Sewitt thing. Yes, exactly. And we used to you, show. We about, did it on the. You, yeah. you, I joined the thing when you did it on the West Coast once. The right that Joy Sewitt sketch, and so when you had a shout, a, a reference to Joy Sewitt. Oh, I know. Isn't that satisfying? We, yeah, we, yeah, like we a, do. We have Joyce the Joy Sewitt's name in this show. She's was actually, it important for you? Was that like a uh, throwback to your? Your... No, it was just it was more just we, we've always been tickled by the name and and who she is and yeah. so it was like when we needed we wanted to shout a celebrity's name it just made sense it's comedy gold but I just think that um, having it and then you know we, we we've always written together but then we have gone off and and get, gotten involved in our own projects and so this show is such a beautiful evolution of our relationship because we've both kind of taken a little more power in the world. And then we, when we came together and wrote Disaster, again, again, it still wasn't like, how do we write the next big American musical? It was just, Seth had a spot, uh, he, had, he had a night where he, he had to put up something to raise money for this charity, and he, and he always wanted to do this musical about these disaster movies. Right. And I just love working with Seth. So, so I joined in because, A, I loved the idea, but B, it was an opportunity to get to write with Seth again. And, and it was just writing it for this one-night benefit, but it just it came out so well, we were like, let's keep working on how this. How different was it, that first version? We, we did from, not expect... What's that? How different was that first version from what it, It's in shocking how now. similar that very first version is to right. what's now on Broadway because so many of the characters and songs were there right from the beginning. But we did do a bunch of readings and we did a couple smaller productions of the show and every time we did we learned from the last one and we changed things and characters grew and everything got deeper and, and, and the stories got more intricate and, and new songs have been added. So um, it's definitely grown. What's the hardest part as a director and a writer? 
with so well, many I mean, characters to balance, so many. They're very different bits, jobs. So, many... so I mean, it's hard to answer as a writer and director. But I'll just say, what's the hardest part? Um, keep believing. Yeah. And keep and and keep having faith that that your that that your vision is is uh, well, that that this could happen because it, you know it's interesting. Wow. I, I, I have found that. that whenever yes, whenever you take on a large project, it's my belief that the universe will throw huge boulders in your way, especially as it gets closer to becoming reality. And I always tell people who are trying to create things, expect those boulders to come. They will. And the universe will throw everything at you to make it seem like it will never happen. But you just have to actually ignore them and keep pushing forward. So my job as a director, beyond the obvious things of, of bringing the show to life visually, is being the person who stays calm when it seems like everything is horrible and falling apart. The person who says, no, guys, we're fine and this is great and it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. And so, you know, it's, and that has to come down from the top and it kind of puts everyone at ease and keeps them able to do the job they have to do and not kind of fall into panic. Is that a role that is naturally suited to your personality or was that something it you was, sort of have to It develop? was something I grew into and developed through it. Because, you know, boy, when I was young, I, I was a very anxious person. Right. And I, but luckily someone pointed it out to me. <laughs> it was like, boy, you have this issue where you, you know, I can tell you have a lot of anxiety or negativity in your head. It, and I'll never forget the moment this guy, he suggested this self-help book to me. The first one was Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And I just became addicted to, to self-help and to learning to let go of my addiction to negative thinking. So I've now grown into this person who is suited to directing. But it, uh, And maybe it's, uh, you know, I hope it was who I was always and supposed to be. And I've seen you evolve in that way. I've seen yeah. you um, get deeper in terms of your thoughts and your, your sort of attitudes about things. And that's really, really cool. Well, yeah, thank you. I truly appreciate that. And it's, yeah, I, and that's what I love to share with other people. And that free book on my website, jackplotting.com. It's there called you go. New Thoughts for Actors. And it's everything I teach. It's sort of like self-help for actors and for creative people. I love it. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you about the clothes because you nail it with the 70s fashion. I love, okay, I'm a very visual person. Seth, you, if you held two different colors in front of him, he would go, that's the same color. He has no understanding. But I love, and I love the seventies. I'm obsessed. with I know. The 70s. I want to find out why. And um, but yes. Yeah, so 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 the clothing and the set was pure joy for me because I got to work with the top uh, Broadway designers uh, on both ends and to just sort of together with them share what I was hoping to get and then to get to pick colors and patterns. It was less with the costumes. William Ivy, you just say. You know, then I can tell you about how it's William, William Ivy works. Long, yeah, right? yeah, he did our costumes, and um, I was less involved in the costumes. But but, uh, but what he does do, which is fascinating, is you tell him what you're looking for. Then you go, he, you go away, and then you come back, and he has filled this huge room in his warehouse with these huge corkboards with every image from every disaster movie from ev- from Studio Fifty Four from he. He has millions of magazines from the time period. His assistants photocopy images. And so basically, you've got a billion images in front of you. And then you walk around where they post-it notes. Oh and you go, I like this look for this character. I like this look for that character. And that's how he, he involves you in making the costumes happen. Was that just heaven? But then you step away, and he makes them. Right. And it, it was it was it was heaven, and and I I, I love the costumes, especially well, I love the way the the 
chorus boys pants fit, the angel flight style disco pants. You know that's my sweet spot. Oh, yeah. The disco shirts are super sexy. Thank but here's you. the thing, the guy that comes out in the short shorts, yes. a lot of times when movies today do short shorts movies, they don't go short enough. <laughs> and you guys went short enough. Like even with Xanadu with Cheyenne Jackson, like yeah, the eighties those shorts weren't short these enough. Are genuine short shorts. These are the short well, this is what we, they, like a, they're not afraid they're afraid to even go there. There was but a you photo guys, from Studio fifty four and we yes. and I said we gotta have this guy from the photo and it was tricky because we couldn't really have that guy living through the whole show because everyone would just stare at him through the whole show yeah. but there was a moment in, in the opening scene where we take an ensemble of six people and we make it, it seem feels like, like it's like 50. It's 50 and we do that through crazy costume changes happening where they, they come on stage they pretend they're entering the casino and then they run backstage while singing harmonies yeah. change their wig change their costume come back on as another person entering yeah. the casino I have a crush on one of the chorus boys uh, well, I can tell <laughs> Yeah. They're both adorable, yeah, and they're yeah. so sweet. And so that was our, our opportunity to have that nod to that look, which was yeah. a very athletic kind of roller disco look from this. But set. short. Short, short. Yes, 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 yes. You yes, yes. wear them well. What piece of... But for me, Scenery, my favorite is Jackie. You? I think um, we were we were struggling to figure out what the lounge singer would look like, and yeah. I said, um, "I want it, but it's got to be Bob Mackie." Share in yeah. those wonderful '70s specials, yes. and she—I love her outfits. But we were going to say about the set. Oh, I was going to say, what would you? What piece of set or That's something would you take home? I know exactly could? what it would be. Yeah. I okay. So you know, I'm obsessed with the '70s, and I think my obsession with with design and the '70s happened when my family took me to the Contemporary Hotel at Walt Disney World. Uh, I was I was so young, but I will never forget how incredible I thought the decor was in that. And it hotel. was in the seventies. Yeah, and it this was like seventy eight. Was... This show takes place yeah. in seventy nine. I think I went there then, and it was a sort of a slightly futuristic look, which was big in the seventies. It yeah. was the seventies futurism, and so we 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 don't have a lot of furniture in the show, but we did know we needed a bench and. Uh, Tobin Ose, who's our brilliant set designer, came up with, and we were also obsessed, me and Tobin, with malls from the 70s, no. contemporary hotel, roller disco rinks, and um, so anyway, we, we we came up with this design for a bench that is so, literally, he built it, we put it on stage, when the cast saw it, um, uh, Rachel York, she looked at this bench, and she goes, well, that looks just like the contemporary hotel. Oh my god! Yeah, I've yeah. seen the pictures of it, and I'm like that bench. Yeah. Even when it comes out, it's kind of like you just want to look at it. It's just so satisfying because it kind of, you know, as I said, we don't have a lot of furniture on stage, right. so you got to get the, the pieces you have. You got to nail them, yeah. and they have to they sort of color the whole show. And I do love that. And it's also it's not only a bench, but it's a it's a, a plant. A, there's a, a tree in it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, which was like big in malls back amazing. then. Amazing. So I love that, but I love the color scheme, which we stole from a concept, a piece of conceptual art from a designer of Epcot Center, is where we got the color scheme from. And I love it. Why the seventies? Why am I obsessed with seventies yeah. design? Because it's you like, did Space Station seventy six. Yeah, as that well. was my movie. Um, why am I obsessed with the seventies? I had a I had a very happy childhood. And so maybe there's a part of reliving that childhood. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I just, I mean, it's hard to separate them. We are tell, but I, I, in my opinion, 70s was the best design there was. I mean, look at the 80s. It was like everything was boxy and the 90s what design from the 90s they're just to me the 70s was the last time a great great design and, and it, was it was also sensual. artistic sensual we wanted to bring nature in from outside and put it inside and yet we were into futuristic loose side and mirrors and glass and everything was exciting in terms of design then and, and art, art, artistic based and then if everything after that became very to me cookie cutter went back to the, that sort of 50s 60s sterile kind yeah. of thing 
Um, when we made our short film, Evie Harris, Shining Star, yeah. there's a line in it that makes me laugh every time I watch it, no matter how many times I watch it, which is where you say, Lawrence Welk, every Sunday... I'd get, we'd make big a big bowl, bowl of pop. popcorn and plop down in front of his crotch and blow him. Makes me laugh every single time. <laughs> it's the way you say it or whatever. Is there a moment in this show that makes you laugh every time? Oh, God. No well, matter, you know what I mean? Like, is there just something that makes you laugh? Well, as you mentioned, those sight gags, I mean, we have the most amazing designers. And yeah. there's there's a couple sight gags. Most importantly is is, is there's a, a sign for a restaurant in the ship. Uh, yeah. The coral, I don't, you know, I don't want to give it away. But then there's a, tr- a big earthquake tremor and something happens to the sign. And it's such a delicious moment because it's it's such a fun laugh because people don't all notice it at the same time. Right. They just Someone keep... notices it, they, they, they yeah. elbow their neighbor. Yeah. So, and this wonderful wave of laughter spreads across the audience yeah. so I love that also I love the the piranha puppets and, and the fish in Tony's fish That's tank so when, they, amazing. when they attack that fish it's just so satisfying those those visuals uh, yeah so but then there's also absolutely there's just numbers that I can't wait to, to get to and watch and how nerve-wracking has it been um, you know, it's funny. Uh, it's again, as a director, it's my job to stay calm and cool. So it wasn't at all until my job was done. And so, when the show was, it's there's a day in a in a Broadway show where it's like hands off, where the director has to let go. The show is frozen. The show is frozen. Moment. Yeah. Because you you just don't want to keep continue changing things because the actors need uh, they need a number of performances before the critics come. Otherwise, they don't feel sure of the show. So once I let go of the show, that's when all the second guessing happens. As a director, you go, oh gosh, but did I? Did I do enough? Did I do yeah. it right? So uh, that was when it got nerve-wracking, right up until reviews came out. Do you write notes on a pad, or do you t- type them on your phone? How do you do your... You know what? I, I, ju- I was writing them on a ta- uh, pad and then having somebody type them out. And now, yeah. you know, now there's almost no notes to write down, so now I just do it on my phone. Nice. Know. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, 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 what's the... I, I asked Seth when Seth was in here how long it runs for here. And then do you know the future? or Because you guys... We'll there was see, always a... You know, there it, was always an end yes, date here. Yes, there is an end date here. At this the, at and, this you know, it's like... It's funny. There's every mountain you climb, there's another summit. And, yeah. you know, we got our show on Broadway. And it opened because some don't even right. open, you know. It opened. And then it got great reviews. Uh, what was that like, like when the reviews were coming out? Were you a wreck or were I you... I was a wreck that night. Because he had a good time make or that break, night, but It's Seth, make or break with... Yeah, Seth told himself Broadway. I'm not going to read reviews. So he had a great time at the party. Okay. I had a great time watching the opening night show because what a loving audience. They went insane. But... It was like the best night of my life to the worst because it was terrifying at that party waiting for those reviews to come out. Right. Because, you know, so many people's jobs are at stake and I'm kind of the one who held responsible and I just yeah. wanted the critics to get it, you know? Right. And then when they did it, then it went back to the best night of my life. But it was, like, oh, it was a top... I had an hour where I, I wanted... I was, I was crumbling inside. How many reviews are there? I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot. But a there's lot. a time. How but many the neat really thing was the, the ones that really matter totally got it and yeah. loved it. So, yeah. You can't make everyone happy, but the right. ones that mattered, we did. Thank goodness. Yeah, what a relief. But so the next summit is, you know, it's like the Tonys. It's like it is hard for a show why to does, have a long life if you're out? not nominated for things, and, yeah. and we're going to find out in early May. Right, right, yeah. right, right. So, well, I wish you all the luck with all oh, of that stuff. Thank you, Des. It's so great. Maybe to you'll have someday you here. be doing it at a high school, or like, can you imagine the life of of? Oh, it's beyond? crazy to think yeah. that there'll be a, some cute little high schooler singing "I yeah. Am Woman, Hear Me Roar" and saying these crazy jokes, and yeah, yeah. that that's at yeah. 
All right. That's well, the goal. Um, if you get a chance and you're in New York, come see Disaster on Broadway. You will laugh your Do you ass want off. To plug any uh, social media, Twitter, any of that stuff. Um, go to it. Yeah, I mean Facebook. It, it, we're on Facebook and Disaster Musicals, our website. And there is. See, I'm so not a hashtag person, but yes, you can, okay. I think it's hashtag Prepare for Disaster or uh, Disaster or, on Broadway is one. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not that much into it. Um, and your movie, Space Station 76, is available. Right. Yeah. Online. If you want to see the film, you can. Can download anytime on iTunes. Yeah. It's got Patrick Wilson, Liv Tyler, Matt Bomer, Matthew Morrison as a half naked hologram. I, didn't real, I forgot about Matthew Morrison yeah. being in it. He's great. He's yummy. He's got a secret amazing body. Yes. You know, <laughs> I call them secret amazing bodies because you see them in their work and you're like, oh, they look kind of like they're in shape or yeah. whatever. And then, and then, then they. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's a secret amazing I body. I can't believe I got him for. Yeah, he plays Patrick Wilson's secret lover. I and, love it. And he's, and he's in a, just a towel and Patrick is talking to him. Via hologram. <laughs> now, somebody just recently posted that they liked it. You, you posted about it. Yeah, the boy from Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, Will Wheaton. Yeah, yeah. he loved it. What a nice it. shout out. Oh, I thought that was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's this, yeah, yeah. What's next for you? Dinner. We're going to go eat something. Yeah, we're going to go have a delicious lunch. All right, I love it. All right, thank you, Jack. I'm so proud of you. Come see Disaster. Love you, Dennis. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Big thanks to Jack and Seth for making the podcast happen on their busy, busy Saturday doing two shows, um, Broadway lives. Um, Go see Disaster, and if you're not in New York, fly to New York and go see Disaster. All right, so this happened. Um, I'll talk about New York later when I've had time to to make sense of all the things I've been experiencing here, but... um, I, before I left, I did something that I'm so incredibly proud of. I drive a 2004 Toyota Prius. I can't believe it's that old. And the struts on the hatchback had worn out. So that means that it wouldn't stay up. And I would, it would hit my head, and sometimes I would just rest it on my head. And I went to Toyota, the dealer, and they wanted like $500 to replace them. And I, I was like, I can't do that right now. So I went online. I found them for un- about 40 bucks. Um, made in China, ordered them from Amazon. They took about a month to get here. And so when I got them, then I found a YouTube video of a guy explaining how to put them in. Long story short, I did it myself, and I saved hundreds of dollars. And I'm telling you, it's the most proud I felt about anything I've ever done, because that is not in my wheelhouse. So if you have a Toyota Prius and the hatchback's hitting you on the head, there is hope. That's what I want to say to you. And if you don't, if you have some other car, there's probably a YouTube video and a dude in China that's willing to, uh, you know, save you some bucks. So that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, Hope to see you next time. And this has been Dennis Anyone. Bye. Bye.